You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. We get to talk about music today, which is very exciting. There is an, an American Contouri concert coming up here in the St. Louis area, and uh, it's going to be great music, always great music. And joining me today is Dr. Maurice Boyer, director of the American Contouri, to talk about a little bit of jazz Bach. So thanks for joining me today, Dr. Boyer. Always my pleasure, Sarah. So for those who aren't familiar with the American Contouri, uh, can you tell us what, what this group is, what makes it unique? Sure. So the American Counter Eye is a group in the St. Louis area, obviously, that performs mainly the music of J.S. Bach and also these days mainly the Cantatza group that's been in existence for many decades now. I think its genesis goes way back even into the late 60s, but it's been active continuously since the 90s. The founder was Bob Bercht, Reverend Robert Bercht, and I took over as music director in 2014. As I said, we perform mainly the music of J.S. Bach and mainly the cantatas. So it's an orchestra and a choir that performs those pieces. Mm-hmm. What makes the music of Bach so unique and, and, and what makes that the, the sole focus of this performing group? Well, I would first of all say that the music is so rich. There, these cantatas are short, anywhere from some of them are even as short as 10 minutes. And they go up to about 30, 35 minutes, maybe 40 for the longest ones. So they're incredibly dense with information, even though they're very short. They're also very... Uh, text-specific, and and all focus on a particular day of the church year. They were written for specific days of the church calendar, so they're specific in that sense. They're usually responsive to the gospel, although sometimes it's a little difficult to find the connection. But most of the time, they're implicitly connected with the gospel of the day. So that's one of the relevances, you might say, is that it, it pulls us into a different kind of experience of the church year, very rich experience of the church year. And they're so expressive they don't monopolize on one affect with Bach. There's such a journey from beginning to end that one feels at the end, at least in my experience, and I think it's pretty much the universal experience of J.S. Bach's music. One is transformed in the listening of it, partly because he is so alive to his own faith and to his own life uh, journey. Um, that it's as almost as if he there's not uh, an expressive or a human experience that he that is foreign to him. So suffering is something he int- understood in- intimately. Joy is obviously something he understood intimately as well. So the whole panoply of human experience uh, seems to be something that he can find sounds for. So I think that's something that all of us respond to. Uh, regardless of our tradition. But I think for those of us who are church-going and who are Lutheran specifically, the music is all, all, maybe all the more significant because it speaks very much from within that tradition. Mm-hmm. 
there uh, all of those cantatas are, are so jam-packed with theology and all of this uh, these rich words that uh, you don't get bored listening to a Bach cantata usually <laughs> no well hopefully not anyway hopefully not <laughs> one would have to ask questions of oneself if one were bored <laughs> what is that like for you when when you're planning these concerts for American Contrai what is that like for you to be able to kind of survey Bach's cantatas and, and music and, and kind of pick and choose what, what you're going to put together into a performance well when it's programming there are all there's so many considerations that filter into the choices there are so many cantatas that i love to perform and would love to include on programs but there's the, some practical considerations what are the soloists in, involved in the in the ensemble what are the instrumental forces can we make this work even just from a purely practical and financial standpoint but more at a deeper level, it's what um, what works as an overall shape for a program. What I mean by that is an emotional journey from beginning and theological journey from beginning to end. So sometimes it will start with a single piece that I am particularly drawn to. And from there, I build out on either sides. Or it's with an overall idea that I'm going for, and I try to select cantatas that move along those lines. In this case, it really was the one of the cantatas that I'd been wanting to do for a very long time, that after much sort of going back and forth, looking at other pieces, I just settled upon. And also realized that it was a cantata that was very much relevant to our current circumstances, and that it speaks very much from the standpoint of affliction and pain and of true acknowledgement of that loss, grief, but it has an overall arc of toward hopefulness and toward. And from there, I thought, well, this is, the concert occurs on the last Sunday of the church year. So first of all, it's nice that Cantata Three, although it's an epiphany cantata, really deals with sort of pain and affliction and Christ's manifestation in the midst of suffering. And of course, Advent is looking toward the coming of the Savior. So it's like it worked well at a point of articulation to focus on both something that deals with tribulation, something that deals with hopefulness as we anticipate the beginning of Advent. Right. And these two are the two cantatas that are going to be at the American Contra concert on Sunday, November 21st at 3 p.m. at St. Paul's Lutheran in De Pere, Missouri. If you're local to Missouri, be sure to check that out. And we will include a couple of YouTube links to these cantatas. So even if you aren't local, you can still experience this and, and experience what Dr. Boyer is talking about with, with all of this theology. So let's, let's dig into the first cantata. Is this BWV 3? Yes, that's correct. Yes. And despite the number, this is not an early cantata. That's the BWV numbers are a bit misleading and uh, that they were come uh, upon in the uh, or decided upon in the late 19th century when the when people weren't quite sure about the chronology. Anyway, that doesn't that's a side point, but I, I just thought I'd mention it anyway. The BWV yeah. doesn't mean anything in terms of chronology. Um but the piece is from actually 1725, so this would be into Bach's third year in, in Leipzig. And it's a chorale cantata. Actually, both cantatas for the day are chorale cantatas, which means that, that a particular chorale melody and text form the basis of the piece. And Bach is always reinventing the mold. It, it ne ne never is there a cookie-cutter version of, of that type of cantata. It's a type. And from there, he 
builds his own structure that varies from cantata. But the one thing that is pretty universal there is that the first movement and the last movement both have the text and melody verbatim. Typically, the opening movement will be in long note values over mm-hmm. some kind of fantasy, so a richer, thicker texture with much more going on. And typically, the final uh, movement of the piece will be, again, the A verse of the canta- of the hymn, maybe not the last one, but at least the A chosen final verse for the hymn that will be just simple four-part harmony. And that's exactly what works in this case. Inner verses or inner uh, movements of the cantata are paraphrases of other verses in the in the chorale and sometimes several verses are condensed into one aria or into a recitative just to bring as much of the trajectory of the chorale into the cantata so that's just an overall thing as to how a chorale cantata is put together. And this one pretty much works along those lines. The first movement is has the chorale melody and long note values, but the biggest surprise in the opening movement is that rather than the chorale melody being in the soprano, which is in most cases how Bach handles this the material. Surprisingly, the chorale tune is in the bass line, in the basses of the choir. Um, so the piece opens without bass line or without moving bass line over a pedal point at the beginning. Long ritornello at the beginning, which means just an instrumental opening or an instrumental little set of, of measures uh, that leads into the first choral entrance. And then finally, the choral melody surprisingly manifests itself within toward the bottom of the texture at first one doesn't really know what is going on but suddenly one recognizes oh yes that's the chorale melody that's manifested itself um and so one might say okay that's all fine and dandy but what's the big deal about it i think what is fascinating about the choice is that this whole opening movement and i'll just read the text of this opening one so we know what's going on it's not actually a familiar chorale or chorale tune the text is oh god how much heartache do i encounter at this time the narrow way is full of grief or affliction that i must travel to reach heaven and so clearly about pain in this opening movement and the fact that the bass line is what is given the chorale in long notes is obviously not an arbitrary choice on Bach's part most typically the bass line the bass voice stands in for the voice of Christ symbolizes the voice of Christ and so that's quite potent from an expressive standpoint, from a theological standpoint, basically saying that in the midst of our suffering, undergirding us, holding us, supporting us, suffering with us is Christ himself. And I think that's unmistakable that it's what Bach is saying there. So it's a rich saying that there's something rich going on theologically, but even just from an emotional standpoint for us as as Christians to know and to even hear sonically that symbolized through music that we are upheld, we are met in the midst of our suffering. It's a magnificent choice on Bach's part. so that's the first point I would make about that. The other thing I would, there are a few other things I would say, is that the the opening line that one hears in the uh, oboe, this rather ornate line, beautiful opening line, in fact, is an embellished version of a very simple chromatic descending line. 
just a stepwise descending chromatic line, basically showing the descent or the uh, weight of grief. It's like pulling downward. However, the embellishment of the line counteracts that and takes this away from sounding maudlin or self-absorbed. So there's even a beauty in the utterance of suffering, not in the sense of glorifying suffering or anything, but in the sense of when one prays, one recognizes to whom one is speaking, and one presents the best that one can offer, not the, the shabbiest part of ourselves, although that's probably acceptable too. But one says it as best one can. And I think that's a beautiful gesture on Bach's part too, is that this pain is said with such and such beauty. On the other hand, later on, when he talks about rising, there it's said in a rather bold and bald kind of way. The embellishment is taken away so as to make it unmistakable. Again, these little choices are so potent. And one may not necessarily hear it, and that's fine too. But I think recognizing these things just makes the experience of the piece all the, all the rich, richer. I think mainly, for me anyway, it's as if I'm walking along, alongside someone with such a rich and deep faith that I am changed by it. So I, I see things differently when I get close to the notes that he has on the page. There's a real heartbeat behind them and uh, deep and abiding faith behind it. So that's those are just a few thoughts. I mean, there are many more I could share, but those are a few thoughts that I might offer about that cantata that can hope, hopefully just guide the ear as one is listening to the piece. It's a, those are such great insights and things that I probably wouldn't recognize if I were just listening to it. But knowing those things and going into it, a box doesn't do anything by accident. Uh, these are all very particular things that, that add another layer of experience when you're listening to this. We need to take a quick break. We have a lot more to talk about with Dr. Maurice Boyer about J.S. Bach and the upcoming American Contra concert. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth, talking with Dr. Maurice Boyer today about the upcoming American Contra concert and two of J.S. Bach's cantatas, BWV3, which we, we talked about uh, in the first part, and BWV62. Would you like to dig into this one now? Sure. Just a few words about this one. So the, the text for this one, or the chorale melody that forms the basis of this one, is the well-known Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations Come, or more literally from the German would be Now Come, Savior of the Nations or of the Gentiles. So a well-known tune, of course. This particular cantata, which is for the first Sunday of Advent, as I mentioned in my earlier remarks, was written in the second year of Bach's tenure in 
Leipzig, so 1724. In the first year in Leipzig, he had performed his earlier cantata on the same chorale melody from his years in Weimar. So it was cantata 61, in case the listeners, listeners would like to go and listen to that one as well. They're so remarkably different. Uh, it's amazing, again, just how much Bach was able to hear in that tune and, and what's behind it theologically. He also wrote, I think it's four chorale, organ chorale preludes, or maybe it's three. Not being an organist, I, I may, may have made a mistake there, but it's three or four. For, it's, it's at least three, maybe four chorale preludes on the same tune, and they also are remarkably different from one another. So the uh, in this case, the opening movement is this fast-paced instrumental fantasia. It starts with an instrumental fantasia at a fast-paced 6-4. So this compound meter just dances along, but rather forcefully. There's nothing genteel about this. This is something fierce about this opening movement. In keeping with who this is that is the savior. It's not some dilettante or something. This is uh, the, the Lion of Judah, and the music definitely captures that. Um, the, a little like in Cantata Three, the chorale tune is actually first heard, although wordlessly in this case, in the bass line. And again, the symbolism is a bit the same. It's as if the, the Christ it's as if he's born through the earth, literally, right? Comes up from below, not from above, but comes through the earth. You know, born into humanity, uh, symbolically. That's that's the that's what is what Bach is saying in the stuff of humanity from the earth, coming out through matter. Powerful opening. One doesn't even distinguish it necessarily right away. When just oh, then was oh, okay. That's the tune coming in the bottom. And the tune manif- comes through to t- the texture, it makes its way up to the upper voices and finally reaches the soprano uh, in long note values. The, um, here again, the, as I mentioned, the soprano has the chorale melody. The other voices have com- material that's based on the chorale melody, but not the chorale melody verbatim. And uh, very embellished lines in this case, fast moving, at least in certain sections. But here also what is remarkable is how for uh, each of the lines of the tune, Bach's setting is different. So the opening line being, now come savior of the nations, powerful and not fast note values for the inner parts, but beautiful harmony for the idea on the word savior. Again, there's a beauty, uh, the suspensions in the music spell out the beauty of the savior. For the second line, for known as the virgin, virgin's child, here there's something sweet going on in the tune and in the accompanying voices and in the instrumental parts, again, to give a different idea for the next line, at whom the whole world marvels, all of a sudden the, inst- the vocal lines burst into 16th notes and it, one gets this sense of marvel, of just you know, the heavens vibrating with and the earth vibrating with with excitement at what this might mean and then for the final line that god ordained for him such a birth it's back to the opening rather declamatory and unmistakable delivery of the of the text again uh, an amazing opening movement as i said very different from the earlier from bach's earlier cantata on the same tune which began very simply with a small force with small instrumental forces just strings and in a French overture style, 
of opening movement. So an ABA structure, um, different affect, obviously. With this one, it's a fierce arrival from the get-go. It's as if hitting the ground running, right, for this come this savior who is coming among us. For the other one, it's uh, it opens with the French overture, which is something that would have been associated with the entrance of royalty in the French court. So Bach is saying something different there. He's spelling out very specifically what the identity of this savior is. He, again, fascinating to hear what he hears in, in this and what he knows, too, from a, a theological standpoint uh, and how he spells that out sonically. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, and this is the savior of the nations come is, is probably a pretty familiar hymn for a lot of people, but the way that Bach interprets it just brings all these new things to light and new interpretations and, and ways to look at the text. Why are these two cantatas especially relevant for us right now? Well, as I mentioned a bit in the in my in opening remarks, I th- the, uh, they speak from a place, or at least the first one speaks from a place of acknowledging suffering, not shying away from it, uttering it with care, and simplicity, maybe even care not just for one's own suffering, but care for the suffering of others as one is looking at others. Indeed, the first move seems to have a universality to it, really. It's not just my own suffering. Since all the voices in the choir are involved, it's as if all the voices of creation, in fact, are saying that together. It's not just a, it's not just a soloist singing those lines, in other words. So speaking from that place of and of the journey toward heaven, I think is something that one can, of course, always relate to. But at a time when there has been much suffering, much loss due to this uh, very difficult experience that we've all had, really a worldwide pandemic, of course. I think it's very it's a very apt place to begin. Um, the cantata really does journey toward freedom and toward um, acknowledging Jesus as one's consolation, as one's savior. And then the next cantata, of course, almost starts from that point and calls for the Savior also. And the rest of that cantata is about spelling out, again, who that is, who is this, who is the great mystery, who is also the highest ruler, who is the treasure. And all this ends in praise. So it's a trajectory from suffering to confidence, consolation, and hope. Mm -hmm. Sounds wonderful. I can't wait to hear these cantatas in person. Uh, This is the American Contrary concert happening Sunday, November 21st at 3 p.m. at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere, Missouri. If you're local, come check it out. If you're not local, we will include the links to these two cantatas in the show notes so you can listen to all of these wonderful things and then go ahead and listen to box cantatas and hear all of these things for yourself. And we'll include a link to americancontry.org as well in the show notes so you can find out more about the American Contry. Dr. Boyer, thank you so much for being my guest today on The Coffee Hour. Thank you so much, Sarah. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm